<clears throat> well, let's start out with a word of prayer this morning, asking God's blessing on our time. Let's uh, bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I, um, I pray for our time together. God, I pray that your hand um, be upon us. God, I pray uh, for your word uh, being preached. God, I thank you for it and the blessing it is for your people. God, I pray for each and every person here that you uh, be with them, God, that you walk with them, that you draw near to them, that you come down, Lord God, and meet us here in this place. I thank you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I um, want to introduce uh, an uh, idea to you, um, and I, it came back to my mind. We were, we were on vacation last week in, in Florida, and it was beautiful, and we flew in in an ice storm and got to drive home from Des Moines in an ice storm at night, so I was like, welcome back to the Midwest. Uh, but we're glad, we're glad to be back. Um, but I, I, as we were in Florida, I was reminded of an idea that, that I was taught in, in seminary from a seminary professor. And I was originally a little bit kind of uh, skeptical on this idea. And then as I kind of thought about it, 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 it made sense to me um, because of, of experiences I've had in my life. First, I thought the idea was like, eh, I don't know about this, but I, I think there is, just, it, it's a way for us, this idea of a thin place is a way for us to explain kind of these special places where, where God seems to meet us. Maybe you have one of those places in your life, a thin place. I'll talk to you a little bit more about what I mean by that, but at first, I want to explain to you one of my uh, thin places in my life. It's a, a place called Camp Shamina in Motley, Minnesota. It's about three hours north of the Twin Cities. And it's a place that is very, very special to me because it uh, was a place I started going to right around when I met Jesus. And very early on in my uh, faith with, in Christ, I would go up to Camp Shamina as a high school student. Some of you go to camp. Maybe you've had this experience. And throughout my life, I've spent a lot of time up in Camp Shamina. I went up there as a student, as a youth pastor. I would take students up there. My wife and I have gone up there. I've been to retreats up there. And it's, it's beautiful. I mean, it's this, it's this beautiful place. Um, of course, this thing, there we go. Um, I, this thing hates me now when, since we moved this podium. But so Camp Shamina is gorgeous. Up in the north woods of Minnesota, on a peninsula, on a lake, it is wonderful. It is staffed by some of the best people you've ever met. Um, it, it has everything a camp should have. Swimming and zip lines and uh, rifle, gun range, fire pits, cabins, the blob. Who knows what the blob is? Anyone know? Yeah, right? The There's nothing like getting like, a, like an 80-pound sixth grader on the end of that thing and getting a couple football players to jump on and just shoot that kid off into the middle of the lake. It's gorgeous, but that's not, that's not the reason why I love it so much. I would end up going there pretty much every year uh, to bring students. I would go up there myself sometimes for a silent retreat. And why would we, why do you go to camp? You that go to camp, why do you go? I know a lot of you like high school students go to camp. Why do you go to camp? Who's been to camp? Maybe no one's been here, okay? Right, okay, now you're on the spot. Why, why do you go to camp? 
I put you on the spot, I know. That's hard. Fun? Yeah. Easier to be closer to God. I'll give you your $5 later. Great job. Right? That's why we go to camp. I would bring students there to be, be closer to God. Seem like there's a special place. There's something going on there. I would go there in a silent retreat just to, to pray and spend time alone with God. If I had to make a big decision, um, I would go there sometimes just to take a day away, just to, just to be in silent prayer. This, this, this amazing place. It seemed like at camp, for those of you who have been there, that, that God was, in, he was more near to us. This is just the way that it seems. There are certain places where God speaks especially clearly to us. A special places where we go to hear from God. Maybe you have a place like that. Maybe it's a favorite coffee shop or a vacation spot or, or a beachside bench or a country road or a deer stand or a boat on a lake. Those are examples that come to mind. Another one, the example that comes to mind that seems to be this uh, type of place where people are just drawn to is the, the Wailing Wall in, in Jerusalem. For, for, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands and thousands of people are drawn to this place to pray and, and stick their prayers into the wall. Why? There just seems to be something special about it. And I believe that this room here where we worship is a place where we come to hear from God. In fact, for well over a hundred years, people have come to this place and God has spoken to them week after week after week and we come with that expectation. So I want to, that's this idea of a thin place and I'm going to flush that out for you a little bit more. A thin place, uh, as Carrie Ann DeRoche says, is a, is a Celtic term. So the early Celtic Christians had this idea of, of heaven and earth were three feet apart, but a thin place, it felt like heaven came even closer. They're places that make us feel something larger than ourselves as though we are held in a place between worlds beyond experience. So our ancient Celtic Christians, brothers and sisters, believed there are places in the world where God, it just seemed like God was closer, where heaven and earth seemed to collapse. It felt like we could encounter God in amazing ways and have amazing experiences. Thin places, this idea of a thin place, I think it's true because it's where God's people gather together. Lots of prayers and praises have been prayed at your favorite spot. Lots of prayers have, and praises have been prayed in this place. I think likely more prayers and, and, and requests have been made to God at the Wailing Wall than probably anywhere else on earth. And this idea, I think, is biblical, too. I want to talk to you about this idea of a thin place as we look at the Psalms, especially Psalm 22. Uh, the psalmist says this, which is David, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. But before we dig in, I want to give us just a brief note on what the Psalms are. Do you guys know there are different types of Psalms? There are psalms of thanksgiving where, you're, where they're thanking God for what's going on in their lives. There are psalms of lament where psalmists are, are lamenting uh, how difficult and challenging life is. There's imprecatory psalms where, where God's people are calling down God's vengeance on their enemies. 
There are wisdom psalms and enthronement psalms. And towards the end of the book of Psalms, there are these ancient songs that were sung as they would travel up to Jerusalem to worship God in that place, God's special place, and those were called the Psalms of Ascent. The Psalms of Ascent or Songs of Ascent. And here in the Ascent is we learn more about this idea of a thin place. Now, in the book of Exodus, God taught the Israelites, in Exodus 23, 14 through 17, celebrate a festival in my honor three times a year. Observe the festival of unleavened bread. Also observe the festival of the harvest. And observe the festival of ingathering at the end of the year. Three times a year, all your males are to appear before the Lord. So for thousands of years, the Israelites from all the nations were to gather together three times a year to meet with God in the special place up on Mount Zion on the holy hill of, in Jerusalem. And they would come from all over Israel in every direction. And guess what? When they went there, they didn't have radios and iPads and tablets and computers, and so they would walk. And they would take a long journey, and they had these songs that they would sing, which are the songs of ascent. And they all fit together in this order as they would walk in up into Jerusalem to go and worship God. These songs are psalms of ascent. There are 15 of these songs. The psalms of praise, psalms of lament are strewn randomly throughout the Bible, but the psalms of ascent are all clustered together in one clump. They're Psalm 120 through 134, and they fit together like a puzzle, and the, God's people would sing them as they ascended up to Jerusalem to worship God there. And Psalm 122 is one of those that we're going to look at. It's a song of triumph. It's a psalm with a lot of positive energy. It's a psalm of victory, and it's one of my personal favorites. So that's where we're going, where we're going to find Psalm 122, a triumph. Because God's people are trusting in Yahweh, in the right place, with the right people, for the right purposes. So let's go to Psalm 122. It's going to be page 616 in your pew Bible. Let's open there. That's 616, Psalm 122. And while you're getting there, here's the story. So, so, so put this image in your mind. It's getting towards the season of one of those feasts, those festivals that God has commanded. And, and, the, and you're in the middle of life, and life has been hard, and it's been challenging. And that whole idea is captured in Psalm 120. But you know that there's a place where you're about to go, the festival is going to happen, and you're going to meet God in the special place in Jerusalem. And you're going you're to have an encounter with God there that's going to make all the difference. That's Psalm 122. And you're singing this as you go. And so God's people start walking, and they walk, and they walk, and it's days and days of journey from the north and south and east and west. All of God's people are gathering, and as they're gathering, they're singing these psalms, and they arrive in Jerusalem, and this is Psalm 122, and it says this. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as is decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. 
Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. So David writes, he's here, he says, I am glad, I'm so glad that it's time to go to the house of the Lord to worship. David knows, and God's people know that this is this place, this special place, is where God richly dwells. There's something that happens there. And he knows when he gets there, he's going to meet with God. And he's going to meet with God's people. And he's going to be inspired and encouraged and rejuvenated and, re and renewed. And just the thought of that gets him excited. And so he gets to Jerusalem. And he's standing in the gates. And he says, our, our feet have been standing with your gate and within your gates or Jerusalem. He's looking around at the beauty of the city and its walls. It's well built, he says in verse 3. It's bound firmly together. And then he takes his eyes at the walls and he begins to look at the people. Verse 4, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord, he says. He says, verse 5, it's a place of authority where God has anointed his holy king. And he says this, if this place can thrive, he says, the whole world can thrive. So pray for the peace of of Jerusalem in verse 6. And then he gives a blessing. Don't miss this. He says this. He says, may they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. His prayer for peace and security for God's people. Now the word for peace is shalom. Can you guys say shalom? It's a fun word to say. I like Hebrew words. They had amazing words. And then he says security, and the, and, and the word for security is shalwah. Can you say shalwah? Can you say shalom, shalah? You guys already pretty much are Hebrew experts. That's good. Shalom, this idea of peace, it's more than just peace. It's this idea of, of wholeness, of well-being, of, of perfection, of completeness. And shalom means a security, a complete security all around you. He's praying for peace inside the hearts of the people of Jerusalem and peace around the physical city of Jerusalem. See, here's the key. This is what David knows. When you go to the house of the Lord, you get peace inside and you get peace all around you. He says, I'm here, and you get peace inside, and you get peace around you. After this experience, experiencing the house of the Lord, David concludes the psalm with, I, I just, everything feels so right. I'm not worrying about myself anymore. I'm worrying and going to do something for others. Specifically, I will pursue your prosperity as king. That's what he says in verse 9. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And that's what happens when you get to that special place, the house of the Lord. That's what happens when you go to church. Your eyes turn from focusing on yourselves to focusing on God and others. You're less worried about what you have going on, and you become more concerned about other people. Psalm 122 is a story of David going to the house of the Lord. That thin place, this, this idea of a thin place, a special place where God seems to meet him in amazing ways. He seems to meet us in amazing ways. 
And what does David find out about the thin place? Number one is he goes there. When, when I'm in trouble, he says, I need to go to that thin place. That's what Psalm 120 is all about. It's a recognition of that. He says this in Psalm 120. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. Delivered me, O Lord, from lying lips and a deceitful tongue. This was sung as they would go up to Jerusalem. I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. That's Psalm 120. I need it. Psalm 121, he starts on his way and he knows exactly where he's going. He says, once you've been to that thin place, you know where the thin place is. Listen to what David says in Psalm 121. And I don't think we get this. He says, I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This just isn't a looking around at just like the topography. No, he's looking to Mount Zion, to Jerusalem, to God, because that's where he knows where his help comes from. He knows that that is where it is, this idea of of a thin place. He's going to church. Once you've been there, he says, you don't forget it. Once you've felt God's presence, you've experienced God with God's people, you don't forget it. You've heard from God there. You've met God there. You've experienced God there. It's a place where heaven seems to draw nearer to earth. In David's day, the place was the temple, the tabernacle. So he lifted his eyes towards where that was. That's Psalm 121. And then Psalm 122, David arrives in Jerusalem and confirms what he already knows, which is this. Location matters. Location matters. Hear me out on this. God is everywhere. He's everywhere. You can meet him anywhere at any time, everywhere. Theologians use big words like omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. This is all true. God's all-knowing. He's all-seeing. He's all-powerful. He's anywhere. You can meet him in bed in your pajamas. You can meet him in your living room. You can meet him at a coffee shop. He's always available. But we are located bodies. We are embodied creatures. And where our bodies are located makes a difference. And here's how I know this. When you go to a pool, what do you want to do? You want to swim, right? When you go to the gym, what do you feel like doing? Working out. When you go to the lake, what do you feel like doing? Swimming, some of you are like, I don't work, don't, I don't work out. <laughs> I'll watch people do that. I'm not doing that. When you go to Starbucks, what do you feel? You feel like drinking coffee. When you go to church, you feel more apt to worship God. Our, we're embodied creatures. Our location matters. And some locations are better for encountering God than others. That's part of why I think so many people got so depressed during the pandemic is because they were locked at home and they were just stuck in one spot. We are made to worship as God's creatures. We are made for church. We are made to gather together with others in sacred spaces to worship and experience God. When a bunch of spirit-filled Christians gather together, amazing things tend to happen. I think about what just happened in Asbury, uh, at Asbury University uh, just a few weeks back where this revival is beginning to start. What, what happened there? A bunch of Christians were together and God's spirit moved. The word was preached. People were singing God's praises, repenting. Scripture was being read. God inhabits the praise of his people, Scripture says. And we give praise here in this place. 
You can worship the Lord anywhere, but places where God's people meet together regularly to pray tend to just be this place that just brings about a movement of God in our spirit. That's sanctuaries and worship centers. And David, while writing Psalm 122, found that not only does location matter, but he found out this, too. He's saying that together matters. Together matters. Look at the verses again with me for a minute. Look at, look at what he's saying. He says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Not me, but us. We're meant to do worship together. He says this, our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together. Not my feet, but our feet. To which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. This is an ordinance for all the people of Israel. This is a commandment. We've got to do it. We've got to meet together. When we meet together, we do it as a tribe or tribes. Israel was made up of 12 tribes. For most of the year, they lived in their separate territories. They're in their own family groups doing their own thing. God knows the power of diversity, but he also knows the power of togetherness. So in Exodus 23, Exodus 34, Deuteronomy 16, he commanded all 12 tribes to what? To gather together with him. There's power in being together. And ancient Israel gathering together for worship was so powerful. It created this, this amazing environment for God's people to worship, this idea of a thin place. I think that's why people are still drawn to the Wailing Wall, which is on the western side of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Friends, we need each other. We need church. We need the house of the Lord. We desperately need this idea of this thin place where God draws near to us. Everyone needs a place to encounter God. David said, I was so glad when someone said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Everybody needs a place to encounter God in the midst of his people. And by God's grace, this place is a really good space to do that. Don't you agree? So I have an assignment, a challenge. So if you'll accept it, and I think you should, it would be worth your time. Number one is this, it's don't take this place for granted. Don't take God's people for granted. I wrote and put out on our Facebook page, every once in a while I write something good, and I want to reread this because it's important. As I was thinking through these things, I wrote this. I know there are some who can't go to church. There are seasons you can't. But if you can, Christian, go to church. You need the church, and the church needs you. And it's a biblical command, go to church. The internet isn't church, it doesn't count. You don't need an influencer, you need a pastor. You don't need TikTok clips. You need to be physically present with God's people. You don't need to follow a page, you need to join a family. You don't need inspirational quotes, you need scriptural truth. You don't need a verse of the day, which is fine, but you need a steady diet of biblical teaching. And you do need accountability and correction as much as you need affirmation. Plus, we need one another. Romans 12 says, honor one another. 
Galatians 5 says, serve one another. Galatians 6, bear one another's burdens. Colossians 3, forgive one another. 1 Peter 5, submit to one another. 1 Thessalonians 4, comfort one another. Hebrews 10, encourage one another. James 5, confess sin to one another. And there's 50 plus more one another's. And go to the same church a lot. Join it officially if that's an option. Go enough that you learn people's names and they notice when you're not there. Sit next to older people and ask questions. Listen carefully to their answers. Sit next to young people and encourage them. Listen to the announcements, and when there's a chance to serve, do it. When there's a chance to give, do it. When there's a special event, attend it. Jesus died for us, plural, so let's walk through life together, period. Don't take this place and this people for granted. Don't take the people of God for granted. Everyone needs a tribe. You need a tribe. And God is present when we are together. Finally, thirdly is this. I want to close on this. Pray about friends you can invite to join us here in this place. If everyone needs a special place where God seems to draw near, this is one of those places. Why does God do it? Because God's people gather here regularly. And when we gather together, God promises to draw near to his people. God meets us in this place. I believe that with all my heart. And think of all the hundreds upon hundreds of people around Wellman who do not know Jesus, who do not worship him, who do not have a relationship with him, who do not go to a place and draw near with him as he draws near to them. Invite them to this place so they can come and experience the powerful way in which God meets his people when we draw together to worship and praise his name. Think of those friends. And don't just think of them. Don't just pray for them. Invite them. Extend an invitation. I invited someone at the YMCA this last week. I'm bad about inviting people. It's scary. I get it. I I don't like doing it. I'm in the same boat as you. But, But be bold prayerful and bold, and invite people to come and experience what God is doing here in this place. Those are your assignments for this week. Um, I would love to, I'm going to close us in prayer right now. I want to lift you up in prayer as we close. God, I thank you for this idea of, of a thin place where it seems like heaven draws near to earth. God, where it seems like as uh, the prophet says and prays, that you would, oh, rend the heavens and come down and draw near to your people. As your prophet Isaiah says. God, and you do do that. You do it all the time. As we meet here and we gather here in this place for well over a hundred years, people have been coming to worship you. You draw near to us in this place. This is a thin place where heaven and earth collide where God's people get a taste, the foretaste of what is to come, which is eternity with you. Every week we get to come and taste and see a little glimpse and picture what that looks like. God, I thank you for the Psalms of Ascent that God's people would sing and enjoy as they went to go meet with you on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, as they ascended up to the holy hill of Jerusalem to worship. May we take those same songs, maybe we sing them when we come to church, to meet you in this place. God, I thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.